Yo MTG Taps is sponsored by LegitMTG.com. Strategy, streams, and singles, LegitMTG has it all. Oh yeah, and now us. So check us out every Thursday on LegitMTG.com and stop back every weekday for more great Magic the Gathering content and product. Taps. I'm Big Head Joe. And I'm Stephen Marshall. And uh, we've got a premature show for you this week. Uh, well, uh, we, you, we were going to record and still are going to record on Monday, but Stephen just kept sending me texts all day about like cards that he was, was excited about for Standard or Modern or whatever, and I was just like... You want to record a little tonight? Like you seem really eager to talk <laughs> about cards. So uh, hi, why, yeah. Why fight it, man? So uh, so we just figure we hop on here and uh, do a little bit of our discussion now, and then pick it back up on Monday um, after the TCG player event. So basically, what to expect today is we're just going to talk about our pre-release experiences because I actually did get to play. It was sweet, um, and then we're going to talk about kind of what we expect to see this weekend, maybe, uh, and um, and what we plan on playing, and then also, uh, and then you know, the second half will be about the actual TCG player event itself uh, in the future, in the future. So uh, for now, uh, pre-release. So um, me and Steven both played in pre-releases in different States, uh, but we did have one thing in common and that was that no one could defeat us. So um, Steven, talk about your pre-release. You went four Oh yeah, sure. So I didn't think I was going to be able to pre-release. Um, but I had a moment of reprieve late Sunday afternoon and uh, was able to just show up, and I was one of the last few to be able to sign up. And, you know, it just warms my heart to see that the only two clans with blue in them were the only ones left that weren't already reserved by everyone. <laughs> so I'm glad that there's a new generation of Magic players not playing blue decks. And it, it just, you know, I wanted to play Mardu, but it warmed my heart that no one wanted to play blue. <laughs> um, so the only remaining uh, pre-release decks by the time I was able to sign up were Soltai and Jeskai, and I, I chose Soltai because I love graveyard themes. I like playing Reanimator. Yeah. Um, and so I picked Soltai, and it was, on the face of it, a mediocre deck when I, when I started putting it together. Um, a lot of my rares were actually Mardu, so it was just extra taunting me because I wanted to play that uh, color pair really badly. I opened... Uh, Crackling Doom, Mardu Charm, Mardu Ascendancy, and uh, Sarkinvol. Um, but those were the only red cards that were even potentially playable. Sarkin the so, Dragon Speaker. Sarkin, what, what did I say? Sarkin Sarkinvol, yeah, you're taking it way back. Who's that? Sarkinvol, he's the same guy, but he's just uh, it's a different Planeswalker card. Oh, okay, gotcha. No, this is, uh, yeah, Sarkin the Dragon Speaker, the red planeswalker from Cons of Tarkir, the expert level expansion set from Wizards of the Coast for Magic the Gathering. Um, <laughs> so, uh, as a Sultai 
pack, uh, you can't really splash red and white unless you wanted to go five colors, which I did spend half of the build time trying to accomplish, <laughs> but was just not able to and was not able to justify splashing red. So it turned out I had three of the blue-white uh, comes into play common tap lands that you gain a life. Yeah. So I just went Sultai splash white for two of the common Abzan morph cards, the lifelink. I think it's just called Abzan guard that okay. morphs. Yeah, it's a 4-4 morph. for It morphs for two and Abzan, and you can just play it for four and Abzan. Uh, so that was the only off-color splash. And then I had uh, Trail of Mystery, which is the one-degree enchantment that whenever you play a morph card, you search for a basic uh, land card out of your deck, put in your hand. Yeah. And whenever you unmorph something, it gets plus two, plus two. So I played seven morph cards, or maybe even eight. And I had three of the blue-white lands, and I played two of the Scout the Borders and one or two Bitter Revelations, and that's kind of how I fueled my morph. Or not morph, my delve. Yeah. And then I got the Hooting Mandrills, which was fantastic. And, I mean, that might even be playable in Green, Black, Dredge, and Standard. Yeah. And I had Treasure Cruise, which was really good as well. And two of the, uh, I think it was like Shambling or something, Attendance. It's the Death Touch 3-5 uh, Delve guys, which weren't that great. I could only afford to play one of them with my uh, Graveyard, but... I, I I didn't have any really super splashy cards other than Trail of Mystery, but just put together a solid Delve deck, basically. Cool. And uh, went to town. Um, people did not respect Morph. They didn't really know how to play around it. They didn't realize that you could, especially with Trail of Mystery in play, uh, after they declared no blockers, your 2-2 could become a 6-6 lifelink. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, at instant speed. So I was able to... Uh, won a few games that I had no business winning just by unmorphing at instant speed and, you know, gaining <laughs> up to like six and then 10 life. Yeah. So I basically, yeah, I, I swung for 10 and then 14 the next turn. So uh, there are several, yeah, there's several games that like I just should not have won, but for people getting a little too confident with their uh, un not blocking two, two unmorphed creatures. Um Let's see what else. I uh, played Soul Tide Charm, which was fantastic. Um, didn't really do anything. There was no really cool plays other than just getting someone to block a person that had... Uh, what's the one in a black enchantment that gives a creature minus two, minus two? I, I, even I know what you're talking about, but I don't know the name. Yeah, I was able to get... I got them to block that and then blow it up with a Soul Tide Charm with a destroy target enchantment. So got rid of the enchantment, killed oh, their guy. <laughs> that was the only, like, super tricky play. Um the only, like, really crazy, uh, the only really, like, you know, mind game stuff that I, I, I pulled was with Morph. So I, I'm probably just overthinking or making myself think I'm smarter than I actually am. But I was looking at my opponent, and uh, if they're, like, right, like, for some reason, if they're right-handed, then I was looking at them for, so across from me, their right hand would be closest to my left-hand side. So if I had multiple morph creatures, I would put the one that I cared the most about on the right-hand side and the one I cared the least about on the left-hand side or nearest to their dominant hand. <laughs> so, so, like, I don't know if it was, like, a tell or not, but I noticed multiple people that uh, were right-handed or it looked like they were right-handed as they were shuffling and, uh, uh, you know, you know, shake their hand beforehand. Um, 
and, and knows how they're like uh, <laughs> writing down their life. To- I, I was overthinking things. That's so um, funny. Because I, I had nothing better to do, I guess, uh, since I didn't think my gri- my deck was that great. But I was trying to like get in their head and use. So I used to play poker way, way, way back in the day, but try to use like, you know, <laughs> every skill I had. And um, I noticed I, I picked up a tell at least from multiple people. So my sample size is two that I noticed this with. So I don't know how uh, applicable it's going to be going forward, but whenever anyone had like an instant speed trick or even a sorcery speed kill, they would kill the morph creature nearest to their dominant hand. So I, <laughs> it did, it won, it literally did win me a match. I otherwise would have lost because wow. it was a lifelink. It was a lifelink creature that was not more unmorphed. So I had two uh, morph creatures out and I put the one that didn't have lifelink out on my left or their right. And I, I read them for kill shot. They had kill shot. They kill shot the one, you know, how I arranged it. And I was able to get the lifelink, which let me live another turn and then kill them the next turn. Otherwise, they would have killed me uh, that very next turn. So, <laughs> so um, my deck wasn't amazing, but I, I did feel like I uh, used every part of the buffalo with it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's something to maybe keep an eye out on. I'm going to try to continue tracking that as I play in paper uh, in this limited environment with Morph. But um, if someone tries it on me, I'm just going to flip a coin. <laughs> or roll a dice and decide which which morph key, uh, creature I want to kill. But um, yeah, so playing Zoltai, the only the only real takeaways for like standard or constructed was just that Delve seems like it's really 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 good, and it, there's a potential that either Treasure Cruise or one of the draw cards associated with Delve might be broken. Yeah, so I mean, like, so so the, the my main question is the question that we've had all this time about the the delve decks is like how like did you go all in every time you you cast one of those cards or did you just kind of give yourself a discount here and there and just let the discounts like add up i mean i'm not gonna bluff like if i have no other plays that turn i'm gonna try use all the mana i have in play like not in my graveyard so if i have like a a hooting mandrills or um shambling attendants or whatever I'll I'll tap all the mana I can if I don't have like an instant speed trick, um, but there are there there there's a certain amount of delve that you can get away with playing, uh, yeah. especially if you have like a setup. So it, it it became I think it was relevant in one game where I had Trail of Mystery and I literally searched out every single basic land card in my deck, huh. and I had played Bitter Revelation and two Scout the Borders, so I think I ended the game with three cards in my library. Hmm. But that's just something, I mean, the thing is, is that you're getting so much card advantage by playing those delve spells and uh, searching, you know, thinning your deck uh, by drawing a bunch of extra land cards over the course of the game that it's, you should be able to win the game at that point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I try to, yeah, that's something to keep in mind. Just because you can delve doesn't mean you should, unless it's the only delve card in your deck, then, you know, go to town. Right, um, right. But with a dedicated delve deck, there's only so many you can play. So, like, Shambling Attendants, I would try not to play more than just one of those in a deck. Right. Um, uh, Hooting Mandrills, you can play several of those because you can generally get a good deal at almost any point in the curve in terms yeah. of uh, delving. Yeah, true. Um, dead drop. I had one of those, <laughs> um, 
that you definitely can only play one of. <laughs> but it's a great it's a great spell to ramp into unless they're Mardu tokens and you obviously side that out. Right. Um, I was actually looking at that and um, yeah, I, I was trying to build. I was trying to think if uh, Riddle of Lightning was still viable, and then I realized like all the Delve cards had like super high converted mana costs. Ooh. But <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think that's gonna work. Actually, yeah. that's that's that's, uh, that's enticing though for sure. It it's something to keep in mind in case there's like another um, Riddle of Lightning or Blast of Genius card that gets printed while all the Delve cards are still in standard, where yeah. you know they care about converted mana costs. Right. But that's right. just something to keep in mind in the future. Yeah. But yeah, Tre- Treasure Cruise is fine. I, I I managed to play it for just a blue multiple times. I managed to play. Uh, shambling attendants and hooting mandrels in the same turn ahead of curve. Um, if you yeah, if you build your deck for it, it's you just get a ton of value and it's uh, yeah. it's pretty fantastic. It's a lot better than I was expecting it to be. So cool, awesome. My pre-release was sweet. So um, I went to Baltimore last week uh, for my buddy Dave's wedding, um, and uh, I took the Greyhound bus. The total trip round trip was 3,207 miles. Um, how, how long did that take? Is about 40 hours there and about 36 hours back, roughly. Uh, maybe that a little, is rough. A little less rough. than 36, like 33 hours back. It was a much shorter return trip. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, the cool thing was I, I wrote my article for legitmtg.com, I wrote my article basically on the bus. I mean, I wrote the most of the actual writing here, but like I did a lot of the brewing on the bus, which was really fun. I was able to brew decks in about ten or twelve different states. <laughs> like I, I didn't, I didn't include it in the article, but I jotted down the state I was in whenever I brewed a deck, <laughs> and it was about ten different states. Um, so it was fun. It was, it was just a really neat experience. Um, so uh, I went to Baltimore and I had intended to show up at the Brewport Games F&M um, un- un- unannounced uh, and play some standard there with uh, with Joey and Tim. And the funniest thing was, uh, you know, Tim hasn't played Magic in a really long time. He hasn't really been interested, but I was like, oh, come on. It'll be fun. We'll play F&M, and I'll bring a standard deck for you. He's like, okay, cool, you know. Uh, I get there, and I'm talking to him about it, and he's like, all right, I got to tell you something. I have no intention of playing Magic at F&M. He's like, I just told you I was going to play, so you'd stop asking me. Hmm. But I like, borrowed an entire deck for him and did all this stuff, and I was like, well, fair enough, you know, you he knows me too well. I would not have stopped asking until he said yes. So, um, anyway, uh, Joey and I were still going to play, but that F and M got canceled because some problem with uh, the pre with uh, delivering Charles's pre release product, and he had to drive to New York the day before the pre release to get the pre release product so he could run his event. So that was unfortunate. Uh, but uh, Collector's Corner on uh, Harford Road in Baltimore is walking distance from where I was staying, and they were running a midnight pre-release. So instead of going to the F&M, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go to their pre-release. And I was all stealthy about it. I was like – I like Keith, uh, Keith is my buddy who runs the uh, events there. Uh, had posted just a random picture on Instagram, and I commented on the picture. I was like – 
Are you going to any midnight pre-releases? Because I wasn't sure if he still ran events at Collector's Corner. I mean, it's been years since I've been over there. And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm running uh, the midnight uh, at, uh, at Collector's Corner, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, okay, cool. So I write back, uh, cool. Uh, so Joey and his friend were thinking about going to a midnight pre-release, but they didn't know uh, or they they can't prepay because they're just not sure they can actually make it. So would it be cool if you held them two spots? And he was like, "Yeah, sure, that'd be fine." And I was like, "Yeah, I'll make, I was like, I'll make sure." You know, or I said like, you know, he'll he'll let you know by eleven thirty if he's coming or not, so you can free up those spots. Um, and then you know, Joey was just exhausted; he could not go. So I was like, "I'm just still gonna go." So I made Joey text Keith, and I'm like text Keith and say, my friend's still coming. <laughs> I just like refused to let anyone know that I was actually showing up. I was just being really like stealthy about the whole thing. It was hilarious. Um, so I showed up and I was like, Keith, Joey's friend's here. And he was really excited and it was just fun. I got to see my buddy West Shaw. I got to see Joe Janik, Ryan Youngbar, a bunch of cool guys, Richard Murphy, just a bunch of cool cats from, uh, from, from the collector's corner crew that I hadn't seen in a really long time. So, uh, good time. Uh, anyway, um, all that aside. Um, so I played in the, uh, midnight pre-release and I chose teamer. Um, and I went four Oh, so that went really well. I mean, I built, I just built this awesome, like big creatures and removal deck. Um, I had, I opened in my packs I opened the uh, Teamer Ascendancy, mm. and I did not play it. <laughs> huh. I didn't play it. It was just – it was like not – it was did not – Did you not include it in your deck, or you didn't cast it? I did not include it in my deck. I did not play the card in my deck. I play, I had Crater Claws, or Crater's Claws was my promo card. What was your promo? Oh, so yeah, my promo actually was Villainous Wealth. Cool. I was super excited about because I had my trail of mystery, so I was like, you know, adding creatures to the board, always hitting my lands, and you know, just waiting and waiting until I could, you know, drop some just ridiculous uh, villainous wealth. You know, I there was times when I had fourteen lands in play, which is almost my entire uh, all my lands. Um, but I actually did not cast villainous wealth once. <laughs> like I either didn't draw it, or I just never had, uh, or I just won the game. You know, regardless of having it in my hand, I, I I didn't cast it a single time. I was very upset. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, because I, I built my deck to exploit it. <laughs> I, I got to cast Crater's Claws quite a few times, and it was mm. really, really good. Uh, but that was the only rare in my deck. Um, and uh, so the craziest interactions... Well, first of all, I hated Embodiment of Spring. I absolutely hated that card. That card's not good. <laughs> I took yeah. it out, I took because I, I had two of them, and I was like, oh, sweet, you know? If I'm playing against, like, Abzan or something, I'll be able to have some chump blockers for a minute or whatever. And it came out after, like, game one and never went back in my deck. Um, I had a ton of fight cards. So I had the Teamer Charm. I had a Savage Punch. Um, I had the red one that I can't, oh, swift kick, uh, lots of fight stuff and then just big five fives and four twos and things like that. Um, so anyway, my favorite play of the night. So I went four Oh, I was very happy. Um, best play that I did all night. My opponent had a snow horn rider out 
and a Tusk Colossodon out. So it was pretty, you know, a lot of big stuff. And I'm like, I'm sitting there on an empty board. I'm like, oh, this, ain't, this doesn't look good, right? So I use Active Treason and gain control of... Which one do you think I gain control of? Snowhorn Rider is a 5-5 Trample, mm -hmm. and Tusk Colossodon is a 6-5 Vanilla. Which one do you think I gain control of? Um, I think your Embodiment of Spring, so you could untap it. No. What? No. No? So I gained control of Snowhorn Rider. Right, so he has he has those two cards out. He has Tusk Colossodon and Snowhorn Rider out. I gain control of his Snowhorn Rider and attack for five into his six five, and he does not block, so I deal five. And then I use Teamer Charm to fight the two creatures. So oh. I so I pumped the Snowhorn Rider so it'd be a six six, and then that way it would still kill the Colossodon. You know what I mean? So or the Colossodon would still kill it. I didn't want to take the Colossodon because if I would have pumped the Colossodon, um, the Colossodon would have survived and he would have got it back the next turn. So I took the I took the uh, the Snowhorn Rider and then fought his Colossodon with his Snowhorn Rider using Teamer Charm. It was like he was like, as soon as I did it, he's like, "Yeah, now I see why you've got a." I said, "Now I see why you're undefeated. This is a really good deck." <laughs> it was just yeah. like he was like, "Yeah, that was really really good," and then like. It was just so awesome having like I had Arc Lightning in the deck. Arc Lightning was surprisingly good. Like I did not oh, I imagine. Yeah. I did not expect Arc Lightning to be as good as it was. But just like I almost every time I cast it, I hit a a a a morph creature and something else. Mm -hmm. um, it was just pretty. It was pretty outstanding. Um, and the absolute all star of the deck. Um, singing bell strike was really good. Actually, I, I had it late game and I was really sad because it didn't work the one time, but it was good. Otherwise river wheel aerialists, dude. Oh my mm. God. Oh my God. That card is so good. I mean, it's a four or five flyer. I mean, that's just huge. And it's got the prowess. So I could be, so what I was doing all day was going, uh, you know, river wheel aerialist. And then I was like savage punch or like, you know, or swift kick. My aerialist fights one of your smaller creatures and then it gets pumped and then it's not dead. And then it still attacks you. Like it was just doing dirty stuff, man. It was just like the coolest card. Yeah. The, uh, the morph creatures with really low morph costs I found were really good. Uh, so yeah, I had like uh, the mystic of the hidden way. Um, which is a four and a blue for a three, two that's mm -hmm. unblockable, but his morph cost is only two and a blue. Yeah. And then I also had the, now I'm trying to think the Mistfire weaver, which is three and a blue for a three, one flyer, but his morph cost is also two and a blue. So basically anyone that had like a morph cost that could still get in for damage and basically be unblockable with a three mana, uh, morph cost. The, I thought, I thought those were actually really good. I actually did get to un. I had I got to unmorph my Mistfire Weaver and make the I guess his Abzan bodyguard or the the four four lifelinker guy mm -hmm. uh hexproof uh in response to an utter end. So that was kinda cool. Ooh. Yeah. That was that was fun. That's really good. Um can I just say something? So we, you know, did our spoiler episodes the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. We did not see Sagu Mauler. 
because it wasn't part of any of the clans. Did you even know what this card does? It seems good, but it goes into uh, something... I, I, I just actually don't think Teamer in Standard is any good. Really? Yeah. Like, I, I, I absolutely missed this card. Like, I just missed it entirely. I, I saw this card for the first time tonight, looking at um, Kibler's article and seeing his Teamer monsters list and see the Sagu Mauler. I was like... I did not see that card. <laughs> yeah, it's actually good. It's I mean, good. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, it's the it's the more six six trampler hexproof guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's there's an archetype in Teamer monsters where they actually have a few because a morph card's not really that great if you only have one morph card in your deck and there's an right. archetype because then there's there's no point. Uh, people right. just know what it is and they'll play around it. But uh, with Teamer, you can play Rattleclaw Mystic. With no shame at all, mm-hmm. and, and you can kind of, yeah, that gives you latitude to play some mind games with your opponent. If you also have, yeah, if you if you also have the six six trampler guy, and you know, so maybe your uh, rattleclaw mystic is actually much bigger than they think, and you know, that can make make your opponent play differently. But uh, the thing is, I don't think the archetype's that good in standard, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, actually, in sealed though, I think Abzan's the best. <laughs> When I was really? like actually playing against people, I think I was biased because I played against two different people playing Abzan, and they both had uh, they e- each of them had two Abzan Falconers, the one that gets flying. Yeah, that's already reasonably cost because it's, it's you pay morph cost, but you have a two or three that which can trade with a morph creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then it could just randomly give all your uh, <laughs> Outlast guys flying. Yeah, and they each had high Sentinels of. Uh, Arashin, Arashin. Yeah, that thing's ridiculous. Yeah, and you know, I mean, there's, I, I've seen, like, because I was, I refused to look at, you know, articles, uh, when before I wrote my article, because mm-hmm. I was. Just Are people to, talking about that for constructed? I've seen it in several lists. Several lists people are hmm. trying to brew with that card, and um, and Chapin is obsessed with Siege Rhino, absolutely nuts about Siege Rhino, and I see why. It's a really good card. Um, but yeah, he's completely bonkers about Siege Rhino. Yeah, the only thing I'd want to say about Sealed, uh, other than our pre-release experiences, is just that, so normally when I'm like opening my Sealed packs and sorting them, I sort them into five different colors, um, and then I, you know, in a yes, no, and maybe, in terms of like playability for myself. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a grid of uh, 15 piles, basically. And then I put all my multicolored stuff in one pile, and then with this set specifically, when it has so much common mana fixing, I put all the mana fixing in another pile. Hmm. And I start to look at what colors are strong and what color pairs might be strong. And I think in this set, you have to be pretty disciplined about what you can actually get away with playing. So the pile that actually shows your mana fixing will really determine what you can splash and not necessarily the power level of the individual colors if there's not enough playables with them within them to actually make like a like your main deck so that's what i had to do with uh my soul type re-release where i had several really high impact mardu cards but not enough to actually make those my main colors right and i just absolutely did not have the, the mana fixing to to squeeze those in so i actually just splashed two commons out of uh abzan for the abzan guides 
And that was it. That was my splash out of uh, Soltai. Right. Even though the power level of the Mardu cards is just significantly higher. I have I have such a tough time splashing a third color in a sealed <laughs> deck that like there is absolutely no way you'll ever see me splash a fourth color in sealed. Like I just will not do it. I don't think. I mean, never say never, but oh, I think it's fine because I was splashing morph cards, so I already had like a morph. Like you know, you get rewarded for a morph card with uh, trail of mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the Abzan guides are already morph cards, so it's not like you need the white on turn three. Yeah. It's just you you eventually need it, and I had, um, so I had three white color producing lands, and I also had two scout the borders, so I could like search them up. So right. I like I technically had five ways to get it. Yeah, that's and I was only bad. splashing for two. Yeah, I think it was it, it was pretty conservative. Yeah, so considering the rest. For me, what I did was um, I sorted my stuff by uh, Wooberg. So I sorted by Wooberg, and then I sorted by clan and then i also sorted by two color pairs so Hmm. so what i so so what i did was i I laid out all my you know my monocolor cards and then i laid out all my clan cards so the cards that were three color or the or any tri lands or any like artifacts that produce the tri mana you know what i mean so so that whole thing so i set all that out so i knew what i had there and then I looked at, you know, two color combinations, just kind of anything, just to see what I had. And then what I did was I, I started with my monocolor pile. I picked up my white and I looked through it and I was like, oh, I don't really think that any of this is super strong. So mm-hmm. I put it down and I took away the white and I took away Abzan and I took away Mardu and I took away Jeskai. You know what I mean? I was just like, hmm. I was like, well, that takes three clans away. You know, I was just like, all right, that makes this a lot easier to figure out, you know? So that way, like if I did want to splash a fourth color, it would definitely be Soltai, you know, it would definitely be black. Mm-hmm. So, so then I went so then I went to black. And I looked at my black, and I was like, well, these don't really sing out to me either. So put those aside, and I was like, well, I'm sticking with Teamer. You know what I mean? So I was just like – so I, I eliminated all of the other possibilities. Of course, this will change when we don't have a seeded pack. You know what I mean? But, like, that's just what I did for the time. <laughs> um, and then I was also able to take away the two-color combinations all, like from all those colors. Uh, so I basically just eliminated it down to what I thought my best – uh, clan was and uh, and built around that so but like I started with the monocolored cards because I figure like if I can't play a single if I don't want to play any of the white cards then there's probably no way I'm going to be playing white you know yeah so so that just that was just a good shortcut for me just to figure that out <laughs> so we're playing this weekend in uh, the TCG player event um, and, you know, heading into a brand new standard format. We did this this same time last year, uh, right after Theros rotated in, and that was a lot of fun. Um, that was, you know, I, 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 made, I, I cashed in that event, so I was pretty happy. Um, but we don't know what we're facing yet again. And uh, You don't. Well, so, okay, so fine, I'll, I'll bite. Uh, what do you think? you're going to be facing this weekend at the event. Yeah. So I think the primary archetypes people are going to be playing are 
uh, mono black aggro, which I actually think is probably, if you're going to pick a deck that a lot of people are going to be playing, that's probably the best archetype right now. It seems like obviously the best aggro deck in the format. It is unreal. Like I, I, I brewed, I brewed that deck for my article and it's, Oh, it's so strong. Yeah. And I mean, there's just not a lot of ways to fight against it because they're going to be able to play Thoughtseize and Heroes Downfall and um, Mogus's Marauder. So even if you have like just a bunch of mid-range creatures, if you're not Abzan and you're not playing a million Siege Rhinos, then they could just you know swing through for the win that way. Um, so I think that's going to be a very strong ar- archetype. I like that one a lot. I think Mono Green's a really good archetype. I like that one a lot, uh, Joe. And um, I think Mardu either aggro, which is what I'm uh, trying to work on, trying to make the mana work desperately, or mid-range, which is probably the more conservative choice and probably a better choice. I think that's 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 perfectly reasonable. I think Abzan mid-range is going to be played. And I think there's a few decks that aren't very good that are going to get played. Um, I think Bug mid-range slash control that Shaheen Sarani, he still wants to play blue cards. I understand. <laughs> and I sympathize. But I, I think that deck's horrible. Um, I've tested against it. I have not yet lost a game. Hmm. Um, I, I think it's really bad. And I think people are going to see the new cards. They're going to want to play the new cards. And they're going to want to play Rug in some variety, which yeah. it's going to have to be mid-range. There's no Rug aggro decks. Nope. So it's basically a, a clunkier mono green or green red deck. And I don't see the need for all the – because all the, the things that make you want to play Rug are basically three drops. So you want to play the Savage Knuckle Blade. You want to play um, the Rattleclaw Mystic, which morphs at three, and that's a three drop. You want to play the Teamer Charm. That's a three drop. You want to play the Teamer Ascendancy. That's also a three drop. Mm-hmm. All the things that make you want to play Rug are – they're just all just – there's a, just a log jam at three. And I've played against it, and their, their mana is not nearly as good as green or green-red, and I think it's bad. I think it's a bad choice. Maybe there's a reason to play it, but I have not. I have not yet seen it, and the cards and the the list that people are posting currently don't make sense to me. Um, I would I would rather just play mono green or or green red for, yeah. for that. So absolutely, and like um, because so what I did like so what I started doing in my article was I started with mono green devotion, right? Which mm-hmm. is what I think is going to be the best deck uh, week one. Um, and then I built green red monsters and then i built teamer monsters and then i added black (laughs) no no i added white i added white and then i just went with five colors so i i added flying crane technique to the four color deck (laughs) no i added flying crane technique to the deck so i could call it four color cream but um anyway but yeah i wanted to run flying crane technique because i mean like it's such a crazy finisher I built a five-color deck with 20 Trilands and four mana confluence as the mana base. Um, because this is the thing, man. It feels like with any of these three-color decks, 80% of the lands are going to come into play tapped, right? Mm-hmm. It just feels that way. Um, I don't feel like many of the clan-based decks are going to want to run fetch lands as a four of because there's so many different things you need. I don't know. I'm just not... Might I interject? Yeah, sure. Sure. So that's what I've been working on. So people 
are so there's there's an issue. Everyone's trying to bunch up into mid range decks that have pretty clunky mana if you want to play it with the really cool new cards. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to build a Mardu aggro deck that's basically warriors. Um, right. So the the first problem with aggro decks in this format is there aren't any good two drops. So that I mean I can't really even I was I I I did a lot of attempts so I, I looked at Rakshasa Death Dealer plus Kintree Invocation so you could like pump that and get like a four four for two uh, I looked at like a lot a lot of things because I want to play an aggro deck but there's just not any really good two drops other than maybe Fleece Mainline well that's the thing yeah th- well you know you're right about that. Um... The deck I built in my article was an Abzan aggro deck running four ofs of both of those. Mm, so, I like that. Yeah, so I mean, I, so like the deck that I let's see the Abzan aggro deck that I came up with um, was four Soldier of the Pantheon. I don't actually know why um, I didn't put uh, Blood Soak Champion here, but whatever. Oh, I because love I, him. so I know, I know. But so I've got so this is the deck I built. Four Soldier of the Pantheon, three Sunblade Elf, four Elvish Mystic, four Fleece Mane, four Rakshasa Death Dealer, four Brimaz, four Anafenza, four Siege Rhino, and then one Abzan Ascendancy, two Soren, three Abzan Charm, 23 lands. I mean, I like it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just like a bunch of four ofs and like, you know, just like a bunch of aggressive creatures. I don't know. Um, I, I think, I mean, that's has two great, you know, because they are probably two of the best uh, aggressive two drops in the format right now. Just put them both mm-hmm. in the same deck. Why not? Yeah, so <laughs> my my attempt to fix that was I, I'm running Chief of the Edge, which is the white-black 3-2 that gives other warrior creatures you control plus one, plus zero. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that plays into the uh, one-drops Blood Soak Champion, which is the 2-1, basically a grave crawler. Um, but he's also a warrior, and so is Tormented Hero, who's a black one-drop 2-1. So if you curve either of those into Sheaf of the Edge, you can swing through a Sylvan Karyatid, which is, you know, enemy number one uh, in terms of aggro decks. And then I also I'm just playing Borderland Marauder. It's a just a one two that becomes a three two and can it can naturally swing through Karyatid. Um and then a one of, because I just don't ever want to draw two of them, Timoret, since I did not know this until I did a gatherer search, but he's a zombie warrior. Yeah. And he provides some actually pretty interesting reach because with this deck, you're you're able to get your, your opponent down to like six or five or whatever, and you can just suicide the team in and whatever they block, you can just sack them to Timret and kill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's happened multiple times. And then the three drops are pretty obvious. Um, Goblin Rabble Master, who we spoiled uh, earlier, is a uh, a warrior. He's you a heard goblin it here warrior. First. You oh heard yeah, it here first. <laughs> yeah, so he's a two-two warrior. That that has not been relevant yet. He's pretty good <laughs> without the being a three-two, because um, he's going to be a three-two or four-two whenever he swings anyway with the, all the goblins he produces. Right. So that 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 pump's not relevant. Maybe if I was running Chief of the Scale, which pumped his toughness, that would be relevant because then he could swing into a um, uh, who's the three-drop I hate, Course of Crucifix. Um, he could just swing into him with uh, no regard and then uh, just run four crackling doom, which has been amazing. Yeah. And three Mardu charm, which has been just, yeah, just a lot of flexibility. And it also creates warrior tokens, which you can block almost anything. If you have a chief of the edge out at instant speed, because you get the, 
you basically get two two one tokens with uh, first strike at instant speed, and then uh, it just curves into butcher the horde. So basically, I want to play an you want to play basically the exact sixty that Patrick Chapin posted in his article from yesterday. Yeah, pretty much. Did you um, see that? I did. Yeah, I was, it, I was like, I was like, oh, Steven's happy. <laughs> I am. I, and I liked his mana base slightly better. Um, Somebody I, with I, a Pro Tour championship is running Raiders spoils in a deck. <laughs> now Raiders spoils, I moved to the sideboard. That's really. Yeah, because that deck's that, that's just not very good against almost any of the decks people are actually going to play, which are mid range. Hmm. I'd rather have just a Soren, which yeah, I can see that. Because basically the deck just wants to curve into, you know, a two-power one-drop into Chief of the Edge, into Rabble Master, into Butcher of the Horde. And if they haven't played anything up until that, that's a turn four kill. I've, I've actually gotten several turn four kills testing the deck. Wow. Um, but to accomplish that, you need black on turn one, black-white on turn two, and somehow red on turn three, and black-white-red and colorless on turn four. And to accomplish that, which people are just giving up on, hmm. I have to play just 24 lands, and they're just the most painful mana base just humanly possible. I'm playing yeah. four mana confluence, four fetch lands, a couple of nomad out- outputs, just any pain land you can imagine I'm playing it. Right. Because I just want to – and I'm also playing Thoughtseize as if, you know, I didn't want to – I just didn't care about my life already. Um, I'm, I'm sacrificing life for tempo, and that's basically what the deck does. If if the deck curves out, it has a very good chance of just killing on turn five or generally. Um, and so the mana base is constructed to do that. And it doesn't fight Flood that well because I'm, I'm trying to introduce as many temples as I can get away with. And so that, that's basically where my testing's focused right now is I've got, the temp, I've got the mana base where I can cast all my creatures on curve and it's very aggressive. And now I want to introduce enough temples where I don't just run out of gas. Mm-hmm. That so that's sense. yeah, so that's what what I'm working on. I'm also running three main deck thoughtsies because that's just awesome. Because if you take away their drown sorrow or you take away anything that can block a rabble master, then you just win the game with that on turn one. And it also helps with the introduction of tap lands because you can play a, a you know one drop and then uh, a tap land into thoughtsies or you know another one drop into thoughtsies. It just helps your curve a whole lot to have. Uh, additional one drops if you're going to start introducing tap lands mm-hmm. and um yeah that's pretty much where i'm at and you know so basically if you build the most painful mana ba- base possible and you're running Thoughtseize main deck uh you're giving up a ton of life which raiders spoils which i had originally in the deck uh does not help you at all with yeah. so i've replaced those with uh sorens which still pump your creatures at least on the the turn it comes down which, I mean, this deck is not built to win on turn 10. So I'm, I'm just thinking about the present. And you, you drop a Soren, you pump your entire team. So that usually gets them through coursers even. And you gain back all the life you just gave up with your Thoughtseizes and horrible mana base. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, so Soren's actually been a lot better than I originally thought he would be. I thought he was going to be just trash. And right. I, I think he's great. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, and I actually um, went with a Mardu tokens list that I mm-hmm. think is pretty solid um, in my in my article. And actually, you know, again, 
Chapin had a Mardu tokens list in his article. So I was like, okay, well, I'm thinking in the right way. <laughs> it's always good to see. Um, and I did have Wingmate Rock in there, at least as a one of. Notice that more people are giving that a little more love. I like that guy. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, That's the other problem that I've had with testing is that Soren's been really good. And Wingmate Rock has been really good. Yeah. And those cards are both just amazing against aggro decks, which is what I'm trying to build right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm just hoping that that's going to take more than a week to catch on. That's my hope. Yeah. Um, so I have a dream. Um, mm -hmm. I wanna, All right. So All right, MLK, let's hear it. Jeskai Tokens, right? Mm -hmm. So Jeskai Tokens, um, you have an Ascendancy out. Oh, yeah. Right? So Jeskai Tokens, you got that Ascendancy. Um, you've got a bunch of tokens out. Uh, you can tap all your creatures to cast a free triplicate spirits, and you get rewarded by getting to untap all your creatures and giving them plus one, plus one till end of turn. And you get to draw a card and then discard a card. So I think it's a really huge interaction. Um, I also like... Um, Listen to this. You're gonna just you're just gonna love this. Remember how we were talking about how we wished Howl of the Horde was good? Mm-hmm. So let's say you attack with a token, right? Yeah. Whatever. And you've got a Perforos out. And then you cast a Howl of the Horde. And mm -hmm. then you cast that free triplicate spirits. You deal eighteen <laughs> damage. Eighteen damage to your opponent. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I was super excited when I, so I definitely included a one of Howl of the Horde in my Jeskai tokens list. I can see myself like settling into something like that later on in the season. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now I just really want the power and consistency of green. I mean, cause you're talking about all these like big flying creatures that I should be scared of when I've got three main deck Arbor Colossus. I'm like, no, not really. Not really. I'm not really too scared of them. And then I am totally running Hornet Nest. It's a test and tactics main deck. So I can mm -hmm. fight that Arbor Colossus with my Hornet Nest and get seven Death Touch Hornets. And then I am not scared. And then I can also, like, you know, Mogus Marauder comes down. It's test and tactics. And I just fight all the creatures instead. It's like, okay, you don't want me to block? I'll just fight them and kill them. I don't know. I'm not scared. I fear nothing right now. I am so <laughs> I am so ready to go win this event on Saturday. Um, and even if we don't win, uh, we should really play out every round this weekend because we need to start banking points for buys for the uh, for the oh you're right for the GPS that are coming up. Now um, there's there's one standard deck we didn't talk about. And what is that? Jeskai Storm. Yeah, so tell me about this. <laughs> no, seriously. So, like, you're, like, super excited about Jeskai Ascendancy. Yeah, I am. The hype is real. I'm super hyped. Yeah. Uh, so someone on our... You're like Mojo Raleigh about it. I'm going to assume yes. But okay. uh, someone on the team board posted this list that had been going around Reddit of uh, Jeskai Ascendancy Storm deck. And it looks like utter garbage if you just look at the actual list. It looks really stupid. And I actually tested against it, and it's actually 
pretty good. Or at least reasonable. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't say it's pretty good, but like it, it won games on turn five where I had a Thoughtseize, which you would think would be the best possible card against it, into a Mardu Charm, which would also be one of the best possible cards against it. And they still just went off on turn five, no problem. And that's probably the best case scenario for them. So what uh, is the storm? So tell me about this. How does this work exactly? Speaking all right. So it runs, obviously, uh, four Jeskai Ascendancies, which is the red, white, blue. Colors don't run. Uh, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. That's fine. Untap those creatures. That's key. That's, and it's, it's huge. Yeah, that's the thing I missed. Whenever... Like, yeah, no, like what I, what I was saying to Steven earlier was like, you know, he said, you know, I've gone, I've gone, I've gone really deep in on Jeskai Ascendancy. And I was like, you know, <laughs> I was like, I would make fun of you about it if the card didn't say untap those creatures. The card's just broken, you know? Yeah. So I guess when we were looking at this and I rated this the worst Ascendancy of all of them, just because. <laughs> And I, I gave it the caveat that I just didn't see a deck that it went into. Right. I, I, it, it, would, it would need a new archetype, and it does, and it has one. Um, it actually has more abilities than any other Ascendancy because, yeah, it has three of them. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you get a plus one, plus one. That's one ability. Uh, you untap those creatures. That's two. And then whenever – and this is the best part. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell – you may draw a card. Draw yeah. cards pretty good. And if you do, discard a card. So that's it, it gets three abilities for the low, low cost of three mana. And what you want to do is abuse the part where it untaps creatures. So yeah. you need uh, two, basically, mana creatures in play. And then you you basically go through your entire deck at that point. Um, so you just run the the obvious ones, the Sylvan Carry added, uh, Kyrus Follower, um, and Rattleclaw Mystic. And then the utility creatures, people are kind of settling on Eidolon of Blossoms right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I also want to try a one of, um, I think it's like a, oh man, I can't remember what this thing is. It's like a one and a blue for a one three. It's like Miletus Astronomer, I want to say. And it's uh, it's got heroic. Whenever you target it, you get to look at the top three cards of your deck. If it's enchantment, put it in your hand. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the so one. I want. Yeah, so I want to try that. And so basically, you you basically search for Jeskai Ascendancy. That's the engine that makes the deck go. And to do to do that, you play uh, Commune with the Gods. You play um, Crucifix's Insight. Yep. Um, and you play just all the really janky cycling enchantments from born of the gods and uh journey to the nyx so you play stratus walk nightlyga's presence care matrix favor uh and dragon mantle so basically you get the mana creatures out you search for the just guy ascendancy with commune with the gods because it you know you look at the top five cards of your deck for an enchantment card or crew physics uh crew fixes insight which mm-hmm. looks at the top six cards of your deck yeah and you put the you know if there's three enchant up to three enchantments into your hand so you're able to dig for cards and recover from a thoughtsies because if someone thoughtsies you they're going to take your just kai ascendancy if they know what they're doing which most of the time they have no idea what you're doing yeah and then once you get that in play with like one or two mana dorks any non-creature card you play it basically is free. So once you get to two creatures, it's yeah, it's free. So you have like a Karametra's favor, 
and you tap your two creatures in response to the trigger of Jeskai Ascendancy uh, that would untap them. So you generate mana. Uh, that comes into play. You get to draw a card from the enchantment, and you get to loot or draw a card and discard a card. So any land gets discarded uh, from the Jeskai Ascendancy, and your creatures get plus one, plus one. So you just keep looping through your deck, and you either get your creature up to enough to swing through and kill them, if it's a uh, Kira's Follower or Radiclaw Mystic or even Eidolon of Blossoms, or you're basically growing your creature to the point that you've cycled through your almost your entire deck, and there's a one of Burning Anger, which is four and a red, and it's the M15 enchantment where the creature has, you can tap it to have it deal damage equal to its power to target creature or player. And you're generating a ton of mana whenever you're going off. And by the time you're able to cast the Burning Anger and put it on your hopefully Sylvan carry added so that there's no instant speed tricks they can engage in other than utter in. They can utter in your Burning Anger and then you're super sad. Um, but yeah, you, you pump because the Jeskai Ascendancy has been pumping your creatures as you cycle through your deck. So at the time that you're actually casting your Burning Anger, they're probably like 12-12s or 14-14s or whatever. And you, you you ping him with that, and you just basically play a Dragon's Mantle, which untaps him, then you can ping him again and deal the 20 in one turn. That's crazy. That's really nuts. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was really stupid, but I still think it's kind of stupid, but I, it's a lot less stupid than it looks on paper. So I think this is a lot better than the other combo deck I've been seeing, which involves... <laughs> what is it? Altar of the Brood. Yeah, that now that <laughs> you were like maybe, and I can't believe that like somebody came up with something. I'm just ugh, really. That that duck act that that duck that deck actually does suck. Uh, but it's only a four card combo. <laughs> yeah. You only have to run altar of the brood in your deck to make it good. Yeah, with no tutor abilities to find it. It's like it's the. It's just the worst. Um, but this this deck is actually pretty good, and it actually it kills on turn four like us a, a material percentage of the time. I'm like, um, there's someone like playtesting it on uh, Reddit, and I can send you the link. But um, they're going off on turn four at least ten or fifteen percent of the time, which is about the same percentage that I'm going off, quote unquote, on my Mardu aggro deck yeah. on turn four. And the most often turn they go on, they go off on is turn five and turn six, which is really not that bad for all these mid range decks. Like I think this deck is fantastic versus all the green based mid range decks that have no interaction with them. Um, I've got, I mean, I've got Reclamation Sage. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I, I've got Cord. I, I, I like Cord a lot more right now. Yeah, that's that's good versus this. Like I like Cord a lot more now when the format isn't as solved. You know, like yeah, I wasn't crazy about Cord because I was like, well, why don't I just run more things? Because I know these things are good. But now I've got like four or five one ofs that I'm planning on running in my. Uh, in my deck and two court. I'm only running two court of calling. I'm not running any more than that, but, uh, um, I always want to run more, but yeah. So, yeah. So I started playing this deck and I played against it a lot and it was just a lot better than I thought. So that made me buy 20 just guy sentences <laughs> because they're under a dollar. Um, I think they're like 75 cents when I started buying them. And then I think Sam black put out an article 
uh, based off of I'm gonna butcher the guy's name, so I'm not gonna say it. Uh, he posted this deck on Facebook. Um, that's a modern combo deck with the Jeskai Ascendancy that basically does the same thing, except it, you can you have the alternate win condition of instead of Burning Anger, you just have Grape Shot <laughs> that just kills them. Wow. Um, and it's you can win on turn two. Oh <laughs> wow. It. Yeah. So uh, I read that and. It, the, the awesome thing about it is it only runs three Jeskai Sentences, and it runs four Glittering Wish, which is a card I've had forever, and I've loved it, and I've tried to make it work. <laughs> it just hasn't, because it's the only Wish card that's modern legal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've tried all the you know five-color control and aggro decks possible with Glittering Wish, because then you get to build just an awesome sideboard. So basically, it's four Glittering Wish so that you can go get the last Jeskai Sentency, so you're effectively running... Seven of them? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, and then you get to run, you know, Abrupt Decay and all, all kinds of crazy stuff out of the sideboard, which is awesome. Um, but it's it, it, it's it's primarily the same concept. You you get out of Jeskai Ascendancy with Mana Dorks, and you've, you have much better Mana Dorks in Modern with Birds of Paradise, Noble Hierarch, and all that. Uh, and even Dryad Arbor, which you can fetch up. Um. And it, it's basically the same thing, except you're going off with Grape Shot. You're searching for Grape Shot instead of Burning Anger, which is a lot more mana efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of those mana dorks have Defender, like uh, Sylvan Carry Added, although you're still running a bunch of Sylvan Carry Addeds in uh, the modern version. So Sam Black wrote an article about it, and basically, uh, I can't remember the quote, but he basically said like he thinks it's going to be, it has the potential to be the premier combo deck in modern. Wow. Um, so I was looking at that, and I think that the Jeskai uh, Ascendancy combo, or even the Jeskai Tokens deck, is at least Tier 2 in Standard. So I was looking at that, and I think I think that there's a potential, if you can tune it right, which I have not bothered to try to do because the games take too long, and I'm just not, I'm just not as good with Storm-type combo decks, but... I feel like it could be tuned to a tier one standard deck. So it's a, and it's definitely a four of. So it'd be a four of in a playable standard deck, a four of in a premier, you know, tier one modern deck, uh, which I can't say the same for several three color rares in the rest of uh, cons. And so the card was under a dollar is either 70 cents, 80 cents or 90 cents, depending on where you went. And so I got a little more hyped and, you know, I might've overdone it. I might've pulled a you or Joe and with, with your dark prophecies and went all in on a, you know, three mana converted cost enchantment. What, yeah. what can I say? I now am the proud owner of, uh, or <laughs> until these orders get canceled, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 75 Jess guy sentences. It's fantastic. <laughs> I can't wait until we play in this event and then we come back to record and I'm just like weeping. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> Why did I do this? So so anyway, what are you playing then? So are you gonna play Jeskai? No. What are you gonna play? I think I should play an aggro deck since I'm good at aggro decks. Okay, and... well, there you go. Yeah, stick with what you know. That's good. Uh, and I think it's between the Jeskai combo deck and Mardu Warriors, and I don't feel like I have enough. Like I don't feel like the three hours after I get off work tomorrow and you know, that's it. That's basically the only time I have to tune Jeskai combo 
is that time. And I think it's possible. Um, I just don't feel like I have enough time to tune it. Whereas I feel like I've, I've worked on Mardu Warriors enough that I've got to a place where I can beat a lot of decks. I've beaten, um, you know, proxies where they had, where they resolved multiple Drowned Sorrows, which should be good against an aggro deck and yeah. still won. Um, I've beaten um, Circle of Flame, which is also supposed to be good against, and I think that actually is a great sideboard card. Mm-hmm. Versus uh, the mono black aggro deck. Yes, it is. It really is. Um, and I think we'll see more of that. But I, I, I've beaten, you know, resolved circle flames, no problem. Um, so if I can beat what I think are bad matchups, and the, so the problem is that I think the Abzan mid range is probably the best. The, is going to be one of the most played decks. Yeah. And I think that's probably the worst, like one of the worst matchups <laughs> for Mardu Warriors. Mm. But it's still, like, winnable. Yeah. And it's a deck I like to play. So if I'm going to play against a bad, a bunch of bad matchups, I'll play a deck I enjoy playing and uh, just go from there. Sure. Sounds good. And I'm going to play Green Devotion. Um, and I've, like, I almost talked myself into playing Green Red mm-hmm. um, just from writing my article. Because you know how much I like Genesis Hydra, right? You know oh, yeah. that. Can you imagine how much I like the idea of using Generator Servant to cast a Genesis Hydra into either Sarkin or Stormbreath Dragon? I mean, it sounds horrible. I don't know. Sounds yeah, that sounds amazing. It yeah. sounds amazing. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, man, I almost talked myself out of playing Mono Green. Like, when I came up with that, I was like, oh, no. And the Hydra has haste, and so does the Sarkin or the Stormbreath Dragon. I mean, you're getting in. You figure, like, I mean, you've got to at least cast it for five, which you can do about on turn five, I think, or four. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you go with the turn one Elvish Mystic, turn two um, Cursor of Crufix, turn three, you've got six mana. So turn four, you can have seven mana, and you can conceivably cast a Hydra for five, into a uh, Stormbreath Dragon and swing for, uh, you know, nine um, haste on. Yeah, tur- I, I, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. But um, that's what I like about the the Mardu Aggro deck. Yeah, is that like if you get the mana, and you're willing to sacrifice the life. So basically, like I, I started with the worst possible mana in terms of life, but the best in terms of tempo. And now I'm trying to put as much tap lands and scry lands into it as I can stand while still, on average, being to curve out. Right, right. Because, I mean, that's just the dream. You you, you cast a, a, a two-power one-drop, they cast, you know, a temple. You swing, and, the, and, then they, uh, and then you untap. You cast, you know, your mana confluence, and you're pinging yourself for one a turn at this point. You cast, you know, Chief of the Edge. Yeah. But then you get to swing in for three. They cast another temple, maybe they thought see something. And now you've effectively done them five damage. You untap, you cast a Goblin Rabble Master. Now you're swinging in for seven at that point. So they've they've done themselves 12 damage. And then you don't really need much more follow-up. It's, it's, Abzan's a bad matchup, but if you can just get one turn ahead of them in terms of tempo, which is not inconceivable because the people are playing a lot of these Trilands and um, Temples, um, it's possible that it just might be the best decision week one when people are just dirtling around with a bunch of cool cards but not casting them in a tempo-efficient manner. Yeah. 
Um, and then uh, Butcher of the Horse is just amazing. I love him. He's the he's just the bomb. I love him. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gravecrawler is probably my favorite creature of all time. So obviously I love Bloodsoaked Champion, especially with that. I mean, you just it, it's just amazing how quickly games can turn around. Even you know you think you're an aggro deck and they cast Elspeth. Well, you're done, right? But if you have Butcher of the Horde and a sufficient amount of mana, or even just a well, hell, if you have a <laughs> if you have a if you have a spare creature to just sacrifice, you just you kill a plus one Delspeth immediately, and then if they don't have a follow up, you're they're just in a world of trouble mm-hmm. because especially if you have like a Goblin Rabble Master or even like a or just even if you have a Bloodsoaked Champion in the yard, then after that you can bring him back, sack him, Life Link or Vigilance Swing, bring him back because not uh, and then. Um, and then give them lifelink, and there's just no way they can ever race you after that. And so you can recover from them. Usually, Elspeth slams the door shut on a traditional, especially like a mono black aggro deck. Um, I, I think it has the potential to attack from a bunch of different angles with a bunch of really efficient creatures across the curve. And you just have to accept the fact that you're going to deal a million damage to yourself through your mana base. Yeah. And so that's what I think I'm going to play. Cool. Cool. Well, we'll see how it goes. Um, and uh, I want to huh? say what I want to say. What's up to future Steven? What's up, future Steven? I hope you won. I think yeah. you won. Yeah. Bigger head, <laughs> Joe. Assuming that your head grows at a constant rate of speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's, it's going to get pretty big after you uh, lose to me in the finals. We'll no see. way. All right, so we're back, and we played in the TCG Player 5K in Waco. So I played the mono green. Uh, like I said, my sideboard was an utter disaster. Um, I could have told you that. It was 11 one-ofs, two, and then two two-ofs. Wait, I think I did tell you that. You definitely told me that. Um, you know, I honestly, I don't – the I regret one card – out of the 15. Um, and that was the Nessian Demolock that mm. I put in there. I didn't know what I was doing with that sideboard, man. I didn't know what I was going to be facing. So I just put a bunch of stuff in there. And a lot of times this stuff worked out great. So I put like Hunt the Hunter in there as a one of. That's and, fine. And fine. totally blew out um, the Sidisi in round two um, with a Cursor of Crewfix and was able to swing into their zombie token. So that was incredible. And Tormod's Crypt, also against the same deck, poor guy, one of, and uh, and got it in both games that I won against Sultai Delve. So that was good. Um, round, I, uh, I, I honestly thought you were trolling me with the uh, the, the Demolock. No, I really put it in there. Mm. I, you know, honestly, though, like against a control deck where there's no good option, like it's either they're going to have to deal with a 6-6 or they're going to have to have something blown up. It seemed it seemed okay at the time. I've got Court of Calling, so I, I figured that's why there were a lot of one of creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, so the logic there was sound. That choice was just dumb and pointless. It never came in. Um, but uh, I go deep, man. I go deep when I'm sideboarding. I mm-hmm. I have a, a, sw- a swarmborn giant sitting at arm's length right now, like actually in my hand. <laughs> 
Like I remember I, that guy. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I, I mean, I go deep when I'm looking at sideboard options. Like, I really do, because like, I, I have Nessian Game Warden in my pile of sideboard options. I approve. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, what would that be? What would that, what would that be good against? Um, any like kind of control deck that doesn't have like a sweeper or something that's just trying to one for one you. Since it replaces itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a reasonable sized uh, creature, so I, yeah. I think it's pretty good against uh, control. That would have been cooler than the Demolock in the sideboard. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, anyway. Uh, so, round and you played uh, Mardu Warriors, which uh, I got to see firsthand because <laughs> we were paired up round one. It's the second time that that's happened to me at a tournament. Um, I had the, the round one legacy feature match versus my roommate um, at SCG Baltimore. A million years ago, and then get to play against you round one in the TCG player event. Yeah, there's only 160 people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are the odds? Not good. But yeah, we went. We went to three games, right? I got the second game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you played uh, the Hornet's Nest, and I was just Hornet's Nest, powerless. <laughs> totally blanked you, man. Uh, it's an awesome card. It's so good. I felt like I wanted them all day. I felt like I wanted more of them than I saw all day. And uh, that's kind of weird. <laughs> kind of. I, I don't think so, really, because most of the decks are just green mid-range decks. Yeah. Not a ton of flyers uh, outside of Hornet's Nest or something like that. So Hornet Queen. Hornet Queen, yeah. Hornet's Nest is great against all the, the big ground attackers. It kind of shuts things down. Yeah. On their end. It does. It eats and, a downfall like crazy, and it eats a, a Bile Blight like crazy. You know what I mean? And you, sure. don't get any, you don't get any benefit from it from that, but they did waste a Bile Blight on an O2 defender. Yeah, so. and that's if, that's if they have access to black mana and the removal. Right, right. If you haven't exhausted it at that point. Uh, right. Additionally, I given that kind of metagame, where it's all just green mid-range decks, I, I actually do approve of the Hunt the Hunter. Yeah. In the sideboard. I, I think that's reasonable. Yeah, yeah, I, I wasn't, like, that was another one I was kind of tempted to run more than one of in the sideboard, but uh, considering I had three main deck Satessin tactics, it felt a little excessive just to, like, fill up with fight cards, you know? Mm. Um, if I had, if I had like, two Satessin tactics main deck, I might have run a second one of those in the sideboard or something. Uh, but it was, I mean, it was great where, where it worked, although I played against exactly one green deck. <laughs> well, I might have had a chance to play against more decks but we'll never know um <laughs> so we'll get into that uh, i'll just run down real quick what i did in the tournament so um i don't remember much about our match for some reason except that i think game three you just kind of rabbled me is that right yeah pretty much i just i, I game one i just curved out uh, game two you dropped a horn's nest on turn three and i couldn't do anything about it and then you and then just the test and tactics is just a complete blowout I think game three, I think I had the Crackling Doom and a oh. Suppression Field whenever you tried to play, like, Coursers. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, I just, you have a, a Rabble Master that goes unanswered for two or three turns. That's basically going to be it. Yeah, for sure. Um, round two, a play against, like, a Sultai Delve list, which was really interesting. Um, it seemed pretty good. I think we went to three games. So, you know, he got he got a game in there. Um I can't remember with what. I know there was an empty the pits in his graveyard, but he never actually drew it because he wound up hitting. You know, it wound up going to his graveyard. Um, several Nyx Weavers and 
all that kind of stuff. Um, I know that I, I, I went nuts with uh, Satessan Tactics and, uh, and Hornet tokens against him and wiped <laughs> his entire board, which was fantastic. Um, and then also, of course, the, the Hunt the Hunter sideboard plan. Um, pump my cursor, uh, fight his Sadisi, which makes my cursor have taken three damage out of out of six and i'm able to just swing right into his zombie token and he had to you know he blocked with the zombie token so i just like wiped his board for one green it was pretty nice um then round three i played against a black white aggro deck which i really think is mono black but he had soren that's the only white card i saw but what other white cards do you need to have in your deck if you're playing black aggro uh yeah really it seemed really great and um I like the deck. I mean, I like I like black aggro in general. And then uh, round four, I played against a Jeskai burn deck, and this was the best play of the day, and it wasn't made by me. So um, <laughs> it was like Mantis Riders and like you know a bunch of burn spells, stuff like that. And uh, I got him, or I think he got me game one. I got him game two. Game three, uh, totally like he's ba- he's basically dead on board. Um, he's got a Mantis Rider. Right, and I pump my Pelucranos. I kill his Mantis Rider. You know, I monsters three, and then I'm like, all right, sweet. And I just I, he's at five life. I should have been a little more conservative, but I didn't. I just didn't think to play around anything. So I swing it with everything. I right? just go, okay, yeah, uh huh. And then he goes. He's like, I am so glad you attacked. I'm like, really? <laughs> Why? And then he goes. Deflecting palm your Genesis Hydra. I'm like, oh, hmm, all right. Deflecting palm your Pelucranos. Mm. He hit me for 18, and I was 17. <laughs> I was like fist pumping with him and his friends. Like I was like so pumped for that ending, even though I was on the receiving end of it. It was amazing. It was so good. I totally played right into it. You know, I was like, yeah, uh huh, uh huh. I was like, don't pick up your cards yet. Judge, can I pull out my phone? <laughs> he was like, yeah, the match is over. I was like, great. Took a picture, posted on Instagram. I was like, yeah, this is amazing. This is like the coolest loss I've ever had. <laughs> you know, it, it, it makes me excited to see something like Deflecting Palm work for someone, you know? I think it's an awesome card. I think it's one of those cards that uh, that's uh, that's really fun and, and, and definitely underrated and definitely underappreciated right now. I think that's about the best case scenario for deflecting palm ever <laughs> well there's a lot of huge stuff in standard right now i think there are a lot of gr- that's that's the best case scenario but there are a lot of amazing scenarios for that for that card so i think it's going to be great um and it hits hexproof creatures and it hits storm breath dragon yeah that's true it's 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 it, i think it's a sleeper card i think it's a a big time sleeper card in the set um, so then round five, I played against Casper. Round six, I played against Bill Cosby. Round seven, I lost to Mono Red Aggro, which is a thing still. Um, and glad, you know, pleased to see that it is a thing. Uh, very cool deck. Um, and then round eight, I played against, give me another ghost name, another ghost. Um, uh, JFK. 
No. Wow. Too <laughs> soon, man. Too soon. I wasn't no. even bored yet. <laughs> Too soon, bro. No, so I had this must be some sort of record. I had three no show wins. Not a buy, not a buy. Paired up, sit down, no show opponent. Three times. And maybe it's my silly fault for playing after I have four losses. Mm-hmm. But uh, and actually, the funniest thing was I got my fourth loss, and and I was saying all day I was like I'm just gonna not you know I'm not gonna I'm not, I'm not gonna drop I'm gonna play all day just to like you know just to get some experience in in the format and uh, and uh, Predrock and 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 Steven gave me a lot of crap for it they're like yeah you said you were gonna play and you're not gonna play with that why aren't you gonna play. And then I went back and I undropped. And I was like, now watch. I'm going to have to sit down and my opponent's not going to show up. And of course, opponent doesn't show up. <laughs> so that was my event. I went four and four. Uh, had a good time. Wish I could have played more magic. Like, I, would, I wouldn't even have cared if I went one and seven, you know. Um, I just wanted to play eight rounds against eight opponents and see some standard decks and kind of see how standard is shaping up. But uh, unfortunately not. So, but it's still, it was cool. Uh, had a good time. Met some really cool folks and uh, played some magic. So it was good. Uh, Steven, tell me about your day. Sure. So, uh, yeah. Um, I played uh, Mardu Warriors. I cannot recall if I've already talked about this back in the past or the first half of this podcast. Um, so round one, I played against you. And uh, we, we are. That was that was fun. Yeah, that was uh, cool. That was cool. I, I liked I liked playing against someone that I was like comfortable with as a person. Like bef- at the start of the tournament, you know, where it's just like a whole sea of unknowns, you know, mm-hmm. and just being able to at least have that one like known quantity kind of thing to start off really took a lot of the pressure off. I felt, you know, it was just good. Yeah, and it's it's always good to get paired up against a scrub round one. You know, just get the win under your belt. That's, <laughs> that always feels good. <laughs> Scrubs run a Nessian Demolock in their sideboard. <laughs> yeah, so um, after round one, I made the mistake of having a snack. <laughs> it just crashed. Um, I did not get a, a good, good night's sleep uh, the night before and was feeling a bit under the weather and... Uh, uh, definitely demonstrated it round two. I uh, I thought seized someone, and they had a really bad hand. It was four lands, uh, heroes downfall, and a fleece main lion. And so I, uh, you know, as you're supposed to do, you I write down their entire hand, uh, look it over, and uh, last turn. So <laughs> I didn't I didn't take a, I didn't take anything out of their hand, <sighs> and yeah, it probably cost me the game, or it almost certainly cost me. I the bet game. I bet you he was really happy to play against some scrub round two. He get was that win very happy. After the game, I realized it. I was like, oh, gee, yeah, that's bad. That's like the world's worst Gitaxian probe. Oh, you could, except you don't even draw a card. <laughs> um, so that was that was a bummer. Uh, then round three, I played against... Uh, so round two was Abzan mid-range. Round three was Abzan reanimator. And I could have played a little differently in game three. I lost round three. Um, but... It's a, it's a start that my deck should have a ton of trouble beating, which is uh, turn three through six uh, Siege Rhinos. <laughs> so they just played all four of their Siege Rhinos in their deck uh, turn after turn. Um, and I actually had the answers for all of them, but 
I ended up dying because I had the option to kill one of them on my second turn because they had played the um, their turn three. They played the Rhino. My turn three, I could play. I think it was either Rabble Master or Borderland Marauder, something with three power that would eventually have three power. And I wanted to develop my board first, but so I decided to just take a hit from that Rhino when I could have just killed it immediately. Uh, with like a suspension field or something like that, yeah. and that that ended up mattering because uh, the fourth one was able to just drain me out. Um, and had I done sequence that differently, I would have had I would have been a turn I would have been developing my board a turn later, but it would have been into his empty hand and me with a goblin rabble master into a Soren, oh. and that, that that probably wins the game. So. Um, I I played such a way that I could beat three, but not four. Um, and I don't know. I, I haven't really decided whether or not that was right or not. Um, since I'm generally not the control deck in that matchup, so I don't want the games to last that long. Mm-hmm. And if I can eventually handle like almost anything they put out, uh, I want at least to like, stick a Rabble Master and start getting in with that and building a presence into Soren. But uh, uh, didn't play around it, lost that. Um, and so that was game three. And then... Uh, basically, after that, I just went out. <laughs> yeah. Um, played a bunch more Abzan mid-range. Played some Teamer mid-range, which I I I'm of the opinion is not a good deck, but <laughs> won the event. We were it at. did win the event. Uh, although it's a different build than what I've been seeing. Okay. Um, we could we could talk about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And after this, but I uh, played against Bug mid-range, um, which I don't think is a good deck. I don't think the Bug control deck's good. I still don't think Ashiok's very good. Um, even though people are now thinking it's a, it, it's won a lot from this rotation, um, but this one was like a bug, uh, to inspired deck with like King Makar and some other weird stuff. Uh, played against the Mardu Tokens deck, um, and uh, Mardu Charm helped a lot there just to ambush their creatures and, um, and I think that was mostly. I played against another Abzan mid range deck for the last round, and. Uh, just went for the Soren ultimate in what otherwise looks like a really bad game for me. You, I think you watched that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I thought seized them and saw maybe it was like two coursers, a hero's downfall, a drown in sorrow and uh, read the bones. Yeah, something and, like that, yeah. Yeah. And I had no threats in my hand a banishing light and a suspension field and a Soren, and that was it. So I basically had to just, you know, take care of their coursers, hope they bricked forever, uh, sat on my Soren, didn't just run it out into uh, the hero's downfall until I was able to draw Thoughtseize and then play the Soren into the blank, uh, open field and just started plussing it. I didn't, I didn't make the token. Um, I was we were both kind of top decking. So I just figured if I get the emblem, that's probably my best path to victory and uh, just, just went for it and got there and they bricked. I don't know how many turns in a row it was. So like, you know, I, I'm always the one who says, you know, I never blame my losses on randomization. You know, I, I always try to find something I could have done better. Always. I hate I hate when people go, oh, I got mana screwed. I got mana flooded. I watched this match, and that guy got mana flooded. His name was Craig, right? Really nice guy. Craig is was a great example of good sportsmanship, and I'm such an advocate for that. 
you know, regardless of what happens in a match, it's a game and, you know, always treat your opponent with respect. And that was the cool thing is that everybody seemed to be great that I played against um, on Saturday. But Craig had every reason to be completely frustrated with a loss that was entirely out of his control in terms of like the, the cards he drew. Right. And for the most part, yeah. You know, I mean like he, he, he drew land after land and it's not just like he had no way of, like, cause he was like drown in sorrow, scry, drown, you know, scry yeah. land, scry, scry land, scry. I mean, he must've seen like, 13 cards or something on the way to you winning and just brick, 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 brick. It was unreal how many times he bricked. And, you know, of course he was frustrated. He was frustrated, Mm -hmm. but he didn't take it out on you and didn't like, you know, blame you for the loss in terms of like, Oh, you have such good luck. And, you know, it was just like, he shook my hand. Mm-hmm. after the match and i was like yeah i like craig <laughs> you know what i mean like he was a really really good sport and 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 props to craig it was pretty bad um although i'm i'm a little less lenient on coming up with excuses in terms of variance than you are since um i mean there's just there's just statistics to this um you know let's say you win the the die roll especially with like an aggro deck yeah that dramatically changes your uh <laughs> your expected win percentage. Hmm. Um, although, you know, I mean, that's not <laughs> something you want to like focus on or anything like that. Um, it, it, and it is, it is helpful to focus on the things that are actually within your control. Um, but you know, if I lose to like mana screw or flood and it's, it, and I can honestly assess that, which I, it depends <laughs> where someone is. Cause I think that's like the most common mistake I see is where someone doesn't honestly assess that. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't spend too much time worrying about it. if it, if I can, actually assess that that's what happened like um actually game one of that last match um i kept a hand with a scry land and a regular land so two lands um or i think it was a mana confluence uh on the draw and uh did not draw a third land for 10 turns yeah um i mean that just happens um, and I was stuck with like multiple goblin rabble masters and managed to get him down to eight and just, you know, just bricked on lands. Um, and I mean, that happens. So, right. Um, but see, but then again, do you think that you could have mulliganed into a better six that would have had three lands maybe, or two? No, lands not with drops? an, ag- no, absolutely not with an aggro deck. Yeah, that, no, that, now you're just lowering your percentages when you do something like that, especially on the draw. Um, cause you're more afraid of flood than you are of, of, of mana screw. Um, so if you, if you have enough gas and all you need to do is draw one land, like if you need one land in your top, like five cards or even like four cards, really, you should be going for it. If you're going to win the game, if you draw that land, since, uh, hopefully your deck has more than, um, you know, a third of (laughs) a third land, then, you know, you're, you're, you're basically locking in a win when you, when you keep with that, uh, statistically, I mean, it's not necessarily going to happen that particular time, and you have to understand that and accept it. And then, uh, you know, you uh, you also accept it when fate smiles upon you, and uh, your your opponent just uh, gets extremely unlucky. Yeah, sure, um, sure. And you know, you took it well when we were you know fist pumping and you know 
high-fiving and you, you dumped a little mini Gatorade bottle on me, which I did, I did not think that was very classy. Yeah, but, but you know, he, t- I he mean, took it in stride. <laughs> I didn't realize that, like, I, I just didn't even think about it till I looked at the Gatorade after you won. I was like, I have Gatorade. Ah, you know, just kind of like went nuts yeah. with it. So, so yeah, so 19th place. Yeah, so that win. I, yeah, definitely. Um, lesson is get a good night's sleep if you want to do well in the tournament. Yeah. Or to maximize your odds of doing well. That's about that's what that's what I'd say. And I I was I was happy with the deck choice. I think it was um decent for the field, which I expected, which was just basically um green mid range decks that don't really get around to trying to start winning the game until turn four ish, turn five. Um and I think the plan of just, you know, trying to end the game at turn four, turn five is still a viable one. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, good. Um, so for my, uh, I liked playing mono green. Um, and there are actually a couple decks I saw um, from the results uh, over the weekend that are really inspiring me to um, either stick with mono green or maybe branch out into some sort of green black build again, uh, like I had last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh I don't regret the deck choice at all, you know, and I don't regret a lot of the choices I made in the main deck. Um, but it's just about tuning now, you know, it's about, we know the format. So now it's about, well, the format is all over the place, but we at least know what we're expecting to see at this point. Uh, and just have a better idea of, of cleaning up the sideboard a bit and not having so many one ofs and, and yeah. A couple things. I'm still not crazy about Court of Calling. I don't know, man. I can't play Court of Calling. I don't... I, I, I don't know. It drives me nuts. I mean, and I also just draw my one-ofs. So maybe I should just roll with my, with my luck. There you go. There's that word again. Mm-hmm. Roll with my luck and just uh, expect to draw the one-ofs. Well, it might just be that Genesis Hydra and Corda Calling are two different plans, and you enjoy playing the Genesis Hydra plan a lot more, and you should just stick with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of the decks that I'm seeing right now run both. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I think I'm done. I think I'm done with Court of Calling. I think I'm cutting it from my 75, at least for the time being. Um, go with my, I guess I go with my gut on it, you know? I mean, even if Court of Calling is, like, an objectively amazing card, and I'm not denying that for one second, um, I just feel like it's not the card for me for the deck that I'm trying to play. And and I've been trying, you know, I've been trying to play it. But I saw a deck, I saw a deck that ran um, four uh, Reclamation Sage sideboard. I was like, oh, so that's (laughs) how you do it. I guess you don't need Court of Calling when you got four in your board. Um, So anyway... Uh, the event we played in was won by uh, Justin McGuire playing uh, Teamer Midrange. <laughs> um, so uh, a couple interesting choices here in the main deck. Um, four Cursor, four Elvish Mystic, four Ice Feather Avent, three Pelucranos, four Let Rattleclaw Mystic, four Savage Knuckleblade, two Soul of Chandelar, one Stormbreath Dragon. Um, two Chandra, three Sarkin, four Lightning Strike, and 25 lands. Sideboard, four Anger, one Clever Impersonator, four Disdainful Stroke, sideboard, uh, one Karanos, two Reclamation Sage, two Sagu Mauler, which I think is a fantastic card, and then one more Soul of Chandelar. 
So, um, Ice Feather Avin, huh? I like it. I like See, it too. It's just we we kind of went, man. Nah, I was gonna play that in standard when we saw it. Um, I I actually I like this build a lot more than the rug builds I was seeing. Yeah, which just jammed all the really cool three drop teamer cards together, like teamer charm, yeah. teamer ascendancy, and the savage knuckle blade. And I just thought that was and 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 they were trying to morph their radical mystics. And I just I just thought that was too clunky. Um, this one I like a whole lot more. It's got a lot more. Um, it, it's just got a much better curve to it. It has a four savage knuckle blade, so it basically took the reason to be playing blue and just stuck with that one card. Um, it didn't, you know, it didn't get tempted to try start playing like Kiora or anything like that, which uh, I'm a fan of. I like Ice Feather Aven. It's um, it also helps um, when you're running Rattleclaw Mystic. Such that you know they don't actually know a hundred percent for sure what what you're morphing. Right. Uh, right. I, I don't like the one of morph creatures in people's decks where it's the only morph creature, so there's really no value to it, other than whatever effect you're going to get. Um, so there's no like subterfuge if your opponent just knows you're playing one single morph creature and it's Rattleclaw Mystic. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this deck, I do like Rattleclaw Mystic in that it can unmorph into a Sarkin. Or if it's like a turn behind into a Soul Chandelier. Yeah, and, and I also really like the four lightning strike. When I was uh, playtesting and building a Naya uh, kind of a walker's deck, um, I, I think lightning strike and um, instant speed red uh, uh, damage spells are, are, are being underplayed currently. Uh, except for <laughs> the deck that won this event and the deck that won the SEG Open in Edison, but... Hmm. Um, I, when I was, when I was playtesting Naya, uh, Planeswalkers, I was running, uh, four lightning strike and a magma jet or two actually. And I, I thought, I thought they were fantastic. So I, I like this build. This is, this is a much better build than the rug monstrous builds that I had seen. And that's, that kind of colored my impression of the deck where I thought it was a very poor ar- archetype. Um, so yeah, it was like this, this archetype I thought was bad, except not this particular build. I thought, and I still do think the bug control decks are bad, and the <laughs> I, I still do think the Jeskai burn decks that are actually running Deflecting Palmer, not good. We had, this is just a great story, so uh, <laughs> second place was uh, Woodrow Baguki playing um, Esper Control. So um, I heard a story, there was, there was whispers going all around, and uh, I've seen it. I seen it with my own eyes. Spoke to the man himself and confirmed, but uh, he was playing against Black Aggro, right? Yeah, so he was playing, uh, yeah, Esper Control versus Black Aggro. It had to have been turn, I don't know, seven, eight, uh, something like that. And he he still only had two swamps in play. And I don't know, so many spells have been cast. I looked at the, uh, the board, and I think the Esper Control player had like one or two leftover um uh brimaz tokens um and but like you know nine lands in play and the esper control player was at one life so uh despite bricking on lands for close to nine turns the model black aggro player had gotten the esper control player down to one life but then there was a nice little top deck there for the esper control player a one of in fact yes <laughs> in the main Resolute Archangel. Unbelievable. Gain 19. 
unbelievable. Yeah. That, uh The tilt was real. <laughs> yeah. Teamer mid-range was third place. Um, one Genesis Hydra in the main. See, I like Genesis Hydra in, in not just in mono green, mm-hmm. but in any of the three color decks. I was like, it's a form of mana fixing. Like, it's like, I need double green and I can cast any of these cards, you know, as long as I hit them. But uh, I don't know. And uh, I mean, of course, I'm assuming there's Rattleclaw. Mist- Wait. No Rattleclaw Mystic in this teamer deck? Is that correct? No, I'm not seeing it. It's not in there. Well, he's going Weird. with Karyatid. Okay. Okay, yeah, because... So it looks like 8 is the correct number for Mana Dorks right now. Um, because, I I mean, I ran full 12. I ran Seder, Mystic, Karyatid. And I felt like I didn't have enough business. You know? I felt like I didn't have enough action in the deck. Mm. Um, and, uh, so I was, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what gets cut. Um, oddly, I didn't, I didn't think, despite it being, um, mono green, I didn't think that Karyatid would be the cut. Uh, but some of the decks look like they're just running Voyaging Seder Mystic. Um, or at least one of the decks I saw that was like in a top eight or maybe a top 16. Yeah. I mean, so so I think, yeah, eight's definitely the number. Yeah. Just because... When you when you when you're running up into like twelve mana dorks, um, twelve mana dorks and like a couple course like you know and coursers and all that, then you're getting you're, you're getting to the point where you have keepable hands and then you just get Thoughtseize turn one. They take your Xenagos or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then you have your, you have zero business. They take your big thing. Yeah, it happened to me at least once, and that wasn't fun. Yeah, you just need more beef in the deck, and that's just really what it is. Um, this deck, this one runs Surak. The other one that we named hmm. didn't run Surak. I wonder if that's been good. I'd, I'd, if I could talk to them, I'd, I'd ask them if they would keep that or not. I, I was thinking about Surak, and I, I don't see it. If you know, if people are playing counter spells, it's good. It's probably a sideboard card, I would think. Yeah, if people start to play more counter spells, it's good. I, I, I would not have expected that many. But then again, Esper Control got second, so. And then you got Chandra, two Chandra, two Sarkin, three Xenagos in this build. Uh, two Crater's Claws and three Teamer Charm. So they went with a couple Charms. It's, I, I like the other build better. I agree with you. Um, so we got Abzan Reanimator. I don't think I actually saw one of these decks. Four Ashen Rider. My God. Oh, yeah. Four, count them, four Whip of Erebos. Huh. That is a little crazy if you ask me, but... I guess they just really want their whips to not go away. So, okay. Boros Burn in fifth place. Uh, apparently got away with not being deck-checked all day. <laughs> um, good for him. So, it looks a lot like the Jeskai Burn deck that um, was played at SCG, um, but just, you know, cut a color. So, it's running four Goblin Rabble Master, four Monastery Swift Spear, which... I kind of want to try in standard now. Um, Force uh, Seeker of the Way, which is a fantastic card. I played that God. draft the day after this tournament, and it was just an all-star in my I, Just Guy draft deck. I can't even believe I, I don't even think I've seen this card. I'm like, whoa. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good card. Oh, no, I did. I remember saying the thing about wishing lifelink stacked. Mm. But, uh, but that's a really good card. Man. 
uh, three arc lightning, three change of the rocks. So this one can, it's like the only deck in standard now that can get away with running it. Now that we're at a fetch lands or not, uh, shock lands, um, three deflecting palm. Yup. Just to show me. Hand. I, I just don't like that card. I, I think, uh, I think I don't like that card because I always like imagine what it would be like if I top deck that card and I'm just, and, and it like into like an empty board or something, just like, I want a way to win. And this is just not doing it. Ash Cloud Phoenix in the sideboard. I like that card. I haven't played with it yet, but I just like it. Yeah. Four Hushwing Griff. I'm, I think we'll see a little bit more of that card. Hmm. Um, yeah, that I, I, I didn't think about it, but that actually is a great sideboard tech versus Siege Rhino. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, man, that's fantastic. I was looking for like a um, – I, I was wishing Skullcrack was still in the format, and that's just perfect. And it beats. Yeah, it, it swings in the air. Yeah. I'm going to, after we finish this podcast, go put those on my sideboard. There you go. That's yeah. It. I'm going to probably replace Mardu Ascendancy. Or Raider Spoils. Those did not do any work for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember you were saying that you weren't happy with the Ascendancy at all. Yeah, and Raider Spoils, I mean, I didn't play against the Control deck, so I don't know if it's good or not, but it was not. (laughs) And then, man, so this deck, I don't even know about this freaking deck. Um, Sixth place. Well, we don't really know what six through, because five through eight is just five through eight. It's not actually by place, so I don't really know. But yeah. this green black devotion deck, I don't even know about this. It's pretty ridiculous. Is it? Do you think it's good? No, not really. Uh, All right. So, uh, well, okay. But let me just read the main. I mean, the main's pretty good. The main is pretty standard. So, is it just like your normal green black deck? One arbor colossus, four cursor, three eidolon of blossoms, four mystic, four genesis hydra, two hornet queen, one nylea, one farika, four pelucranos, four sylvan Caryatid, two voyaging satyr. So their number was ten. In terms of ramp, uh, ramp creatures, two Garrick Apex Predator, three Nissa World Waker, which I don't like at all. Why are people playing Nissa World Waker? I don't like that card. It's a good card. I don't think it's that good. Um, what does it do against Siege Rhino? It's not good against Siege Rhino. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem good. Um, two Court of Calling. So the sideboard, right? Three Drown in Sorrow. Two in Garrick's Wake. Mm-hmm. In Garrick's Wake? Really? Yeah, green mirror match tech. Not, no, no. Probably not. No, it's awful. I mean, they finished in top eight, so maybe it's not awful, but it just seems so bad. Uh, the four Nylea's Disciple, one Frexian Revoker, two Reclamation Sage, three Thoughtseize. Fine, but in Garrick's Wake? I'm sorry. I just can't do it. And Drown in Sorrow in a deck that runs Eidolon of Blossoms, Elvish Mystic, um, and and uh, Voyaging Seder? Come about, on. <laughs> why don't we talk about some decks you like then? So, okay. No, actually, there is one more deck I wanted to talk about. One more deck. All right, all right. So this mono green devotion list is really nuts. Um, this is the one with the four Reclamation Sage sideboard. Uh, four Rangers Guile, one Nylea Disciple, four uh, Mistcutter Hydra, and two Bow in the sideboard. Main deck is where it gets real crazy. One Arbor Colossus, four Cursor of Crufix, four Elvish Mystic, four Genesis Hydra, four Genesis Hydra. That's what I said. One Hero's Bane, one Hooded Hydra, 
two Hornet Nest, one Hornet Queen, one Hydra Broodmaster, one Nylea's Disciple, two Nylea God of the Hunt, which I know you are so against. No, 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 no. Multiple Nylea God of the Hunt. You always have said never play more than one. Like you've said no. that to me at least half a dozen times. Not a, if you're running Court of Calling. He's like running two Court of Calling. Um, three Pelucranos, three Scuttling Doom Engine, and four Voyaging Satyr. So this is the deck with no Sylvan Caryatid, but <laughs> just straight beef. Two Court of Calling, two Life's Legacy, hmm. and two Satessan Tactics. 22 lands. <laughs> Guy likes Hydras. What do you want? I kind of love it. I kind of really love it. And then I kind of want to just, like, find Robert uh, Puntinary and give him a hug. Five different Hydra cards. In yeah. The deck. Hooded Hydra. I think yeah. it's way better than uh, than we gave it credit for for Constructed. Uh, but anyway, this is interesting. Uh, and I considered a lot of these cards. I considered Broodmaster. I considered Hero's Bane um, when I was building my list. I actually did have one of Scuttling Doom Engine in my deck, which I didn't love, to be honest. I, I, I would cut that uh, first um, going forward. But it was interesting to see someone just go all in on Scuttling Doom Engine here. Hmm. Um, so... Anyway, pretty interesting list. Um, now, uh, first things first. Um, talk about Indianapolis, I guess. First, so Star City had two opens simultaneously, yeah. and only one had a coverage team, which I thought was a little weird. But um, I want to go over Indianapolis first, just because I want to get it out of my system. Uh, the Legacy Open in Indianapolis. Uh, here was the top eight. Elves. Elves. Elves, elves, right? I mean, what? <laughs> and then Maverick, Reanimator, Sneak and Show, and Burn. But elves, 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 all four. And I'm, I mean, like, good thing they didn't have coverage at that one because that would have been the most <laughs> yeah. boring top four ever. That was very prescient on their part. Ugh. Banned glimpse of nature. I said it. So, um, going to the standard portion of Indianapolis um, was won by Abzan Midrange, mm -hmm. Samuel Valentine. Uh, do you want to talk about this deck a little bit? Well, yeah, so it's actually not Abzan Midrange. Okay. It's Abzan Reanimator. Well, oh, that's right. Well, that Star City is just terrible at naming decks. Yeah. Um, this, yeah, this is just a uh, little bit more streamlined of a, um, reanimator deck. It's got one Ashen Rider, uh, three Hornet Queen, since that just seems like the best um, kind of win-the-game creature in the format right now. Yeah. Uh, two Necropolis Fiends, um, four Seder Wayfinders, four Siege Rhino, uh, four Acaryated, three Nyx Weaver, one Empty the Pits, which I really like with Nyx Weaver. Yeah. Um, murderous uh four murderous cut which is just a fantastic card in any kind of deck like this two whip of erebos which i think is a much better number than four and uh the obligatory four commune with the gods mm -hmm. 24 lands um sideboard <laughs> one resolute archangel <laughs> uh i think this is probably just a deck list somewhere that i just haven't seen um but uh 
Uh, one Reclamation Sage, one Necropolis Fiend, four Heroes Downfall, which is interesting, two Elspeth, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, three Thoughtseize. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's Abzan Reanimator. It seems like it's a pretty good deck. Yeah, it's, it's, it's showing up a lot. Murderous Cut scares the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. A lot of this, this deck scares the crap out of me, to be honest with you. I didn't have to play against the Necropolis Fiend. Um, probably the Soul Tide deck that I played against Random, but he never saw them. Um, and I'm glad. Wow. And the, uh, so the person that got second place was actually playing Abzan mid range. And they even uh, had, they even had the sideboard tech for the, uh, the reanimator matchup, but I guess it didn't work out for them, uh, with, uh, two Anafinza in the sideboard. Oh, wow. Yeah. Check that out. <laughs> yeah. But this is, yeah, this is mostly the Abzan cards. Uh, we're pretty familiar with as kind of like the standard build right now with, uh, Four Fleece Main, four Siege Rhino, four Carry Added, uh, four Corsair, three Brimaz, and three Wingmate Rock, which are a little different. I really like Wingmate Rock right now, and I'm, I was very glad that I did not see that at all. Um, when I was testing, it was just fantastic with Soren, and so mm-hmm. that made me a little nervous going into a turn playing a, uh, an aggro deck. Yeah. But uh, fortunately, aggro didn't really make a big splash in any of the results, so uh, hopefully people aren't going to adjust for that. And play more Wingmate Rock, which would be, the, yeah, enemy number one for my deck. Hmm. Um, and then, yeah, four Elspeth, uh, four Heroes Downfall, two Utter End, one Bile Blight, three Abzan Charm, so no Thoughtseize Main, which, I don't know, I think that might be okay since there's no one single threat in this deck that's just going to completely take over the board other than, like, Elspeth or maybe uh, Wingmate Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's just there's two in the sideboard, so... Uh, the rest of the top eight is just all green. That kind of just tells you where standard is right now. It's all green mid-range. Well, that's all. Well, that's the entire top eight is green then. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah. It's Abzan Reanimator, Abzan Midrange, Red Green Monsters, Green Red Devotion, Mono Green Devotion, Naya Midrange, Mono Green, and Jund Monsters. What's the difference between Mono Green and Mono Green Devotion? Oh, this. Oh, that's right. I didn't see. This these. is not even mono green. <laughs> They've they just did not care about the results of this uh, this event. The mono green deck has black in it. Ugh. It's yeah. It's no. playing Doomwake Giant and Farika. Now, no, the the deck that I loved was the fourth place deck in uh, in the results for um, for Edison. So mm. um, <laughs> there's one card I would change. Uh, so I guess you can. Look at that and guess which one it is. Um, four Elvish Mystic, four Genesis Hive. This is Ross Merriam's Green Black Devotion from Edison. Okay, so we're going to the Edison one? Yeah, I'm just looking at it. Real. I'm just skipping ahead to it. Um, yeah. Four Elvish Mystic, four Genesis Hydra, two Hornet Queen, four Sylvan Caryated, four Voyaging Seder. Okay, so this guy's going with 12. He's got the full 12. Mm-hmm. Four Cursor of Crufix, four Doomwake Giant. Four Doomwake Giant, mm-hmm. four Eidolana Blossoms, four Pelucranos, one Nylea, one Nissa, twenty-four lands. Um, I'd cut no the spells. Nissa. Wow. I'd cut the Nissa. Um, wow. Look at this. This is nuts. Just nothing cute. Just, just, just a bunch of stuff. Uh, sideboard's pretty standard. Um. Nylea's Disciples, Reclamation Sage, Downfalls in the board, Tactics in the board. This is uh, this is ridiculous. Four Doomwake Giant. What do you think about that? 
Uh, it's a great hedge versus mono black aggro. Yeah. Um, and you're running enough enchantments to actually, you know, live the dream and, you know, actually play two in a turn, perhaps. Yeah. Because uh, you've got Nylea, uh, Eidolon of Blossoms, uh, Doomwake Giant, and four Corsair Crufix. So it's, you could potentially go off like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's fine. I haven't tested this kind of deck at all. I don't, I don't, I haven't really played mono green. I think this is really neat. It has a lot of potential. I mean, Doomwick Giants is just huge in terms of like as a blocker. It's a big guy and it makes sure that you get to kill their um, Elspeth the turn he comes down. Because yeah. all those blockers are gone. That's true. That's very true. That's, that's solid. I like that. Uh, I think this deck's really neat. Uh, now, the results are totally different in Edison, which is really cool. I mean, Standard is wide open right now, it feels like. Um, with n- there, there are some decks that seem stronger than others, but... Yeah, I, I don't know if it means that we're that, that Standard's just wide open, or that like 90% of us are just playing really bad decks right now, and we don't know it yet. But I want to believe. <laughs> it might be true. We're going to see, obviously the way things go, we'll see a lot more Jeskai Tempo, because Jeskai Tempo won Edison, played by Kevin Jones. Um, we'll see a lot more of that. We'll see a lot more of the um, of the Abzan reanimator and mid-range. Uh, you know, we'll see just a lot more of the stuff that wins events, because that's what people do. People are lazy. <laughs> you know, and they go, oh, that one, we'll play that. So Yeah, I mean, this, this Jeskai deck, it almost... <laughs> It's closer to a burn deck, really. It's got four Magma Jet, four Lightning Strike, four Stoke the Flames, four Jeskai Charm. I mean, that's a lot of burn right there. Mantis Rider's practically a burn spell. It, I mean, it's a burn spell. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like a replacement for um, uh, Chandra's Phoenix, basically. Right. Except hits harder the turn it comes into play, um, and then it's running Sarkin, which can effectively act like a burn spell. Um, same right. with Goblin Rabble Master. You know, you still have the plan of, you know, hey, I stuck a Goblin Rabble Master and I, I killed your answer to it, so I'm going to win two turns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually, I, I like the Jeskai Tempo Burn deck a lot. The thing that Ryan was completely losing his mind over was uh, Narset Enlightened Master out of the board. It was like mm-hmm. doing work too. It's not just like in the board for fun. Like it was, it was, it basically won this this uh, tournament pretty much. Yeah, so I think um, it was the first time Narset was on camera. I didn't actually see this, but so this is being retold from... We're playing a little telephone here, but uh, I think Narset did 15 damage in one turn. Um, so Narset swung. Uh, you exile the top four cards of your, your, your library, and there was uh, two Jeskai Charms, and I want to say like a dig through time. So Jeskai Charm, Jeskai Charm, that's 8 damage. She's swinging for 3, that's 11 damage. And then the Dig Through Time grabbed a Magma Jet and a Lightning Bolt, uh, Lightning Strike. Yeah. Yeah, and did the last (laughs) um, 5, so it did like something like 15 or 16 damage just in one turn. That's unreal. Let's see, so Green Red Monsters, Green Black Devotion, went over... Green red devotion, probably running Xenagos, yep, sure is. Nothing else surprising there. Mono red aggro in ninth place here. Uh Brad Nelson playing Sultai Delve. And Rakshasa Death Dealer. I definitely want to try that card out. Um, because that's what I was, I was also looking at 
like junk aggro, trying to build like a junk aggro deck with, because mm-hmm. uh, I there's just not yeah I looked up literally every two drop creature that's standard legal, and uh, yeah Rakshasa Def Dealer and Fleece Main Lion were near the top so, um, I guess you could also run Chief of the Edge in such a deck but there's I don't know how many warriors you're gonna be able to cram <laughs> there yeah that's that's a stretch. <laughs> That's a bit of a stretch. Cat Demon is not a Cat Demon Warrior, unfortunately. Yeah, but but this is the other two-drop I was looking at. I think it's Kintree Invocation. That sounds right. Yeah, it's a black and a green sorcery, and you put an XX black and green Spirit Warrior creature token onto the battlefield, where X is the greatest toughness among creatures you control. Oh my goodness, it's a warrior. It is a warrior. I'm, I was going deep. I looked at like I looked at everything. I looked at all the warriors in standard. I looked at all the two drops and all the two drop spells and any spell that had warrior in it. Um, I mean, that's just what I recommend if you're trying to make like a linear strategy or build around a certain card type. Then, you know, get the two gatherer and start searching. Um, I don't know. It, it's probably not good, but I was I was looking at like. It seems like he would combo pretty well with either. Oh, that's going way too deep. But you could combo him with the Rakshasa Death Dealer. Uh, you know, pump him. So even in the late game, it's not too bad because uh, you could just make a, you know, like a four-four or something like that by just pumping the Rakshasa Death Dealer once and then casting this. <clears throat> wow. Um, if you want to go super deep, and um, this card's probably not good unless it's in the Aggro Mirror. But there's the Disowned Ancestor. Which is a one drop. The O five. It's a it's an O four. It's a black. Oh, the O four. That's right. And it's got outlast for one, a black, and it's a spirit warrior. <laughs> so. Oh no. You, you also have seeker of the way is also a warrior. Well, maybe you want to build the warrior deck that beats the other warrior decks. So maybe yeah, you, you can make like a junk warrior deck. Oh man, or maybe yeah. Sunblade <laughs> Elf is a warrior. Like, oh, get out of here. <laughs> there's not enough way to run. You, you're going to run, like, no planes in that deck, though, so you'll never actually turn it on. But, um, And he'd be pretty good with a bunch of, like, little one, two drops because, you know, if you can ever get to pump him, he's pretty good. But that was one direction I was looking at taking it, but it just fell apart. Hmm. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> wow. technically technically, uh, Disowned Ancestor into Kintree Invocation, you've got a 4-4 you've got a four, four on turn two, and he's a warrior, so that's fun. I don't I don't dislike that at all. It's not the worst. It's I've come up with worse ideas. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> I want I wish I liked that less than I do. Yeah, then then you could follow him up with the uh Heir of the Wilds. He's one in the green and he's the two two death touch. And he too is a human warrior. He's the raid guy. Nah, he's, he's the ferocious. That's what, oh when he attacks if you have a four greater creature. He gets plus one, plus one. Which you would. With Kintree Invocation yeah. after Disowned Ancestor. Jeez. <laughs> um, I don't know how good any of these cards are individually. Uh, in fact, I do, and they're not, so that's why I didn't <laughs> pursue this further. But, you know, maybe, maybe F&M, I'll, I'll, I'll bust out the green, black, or junk, <laughs> junk Warriors deck. Yeah, I think I just want to cast Rabble Masters and Butcher the Horde, though. Yeah, I can see that as being a very solid plan. Uh, there's one more deck I want to talk about. Great. What's that? Uh, Legacy. Legacy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah, so uh, we might have discussed uh, monetary or monetary monastery uh, Swift Spear. Won't be a monetary Swift Spear now. If you get the foils, uh, I think foils are at ten. Really? They're twelve. Wow. And sold out. <laughs> That's crazy. Anyway, so yeah, definitely. So monetary Swift Spear, indeed. Uh, we talked about this as a replacement to Goblin Guide. And I crapped all over that idea. Yeah. And then uh, someone crapped all over uh, my opinion and decided to go and win a Legacy Open week one with it as a four of in Blue Red Delver. In Legacy. In Legacy. Wow. It, it makes some sense, though, because you have a lot of like free spells that you're incidentally casting or just brainstorming, you know, once a turn on average. Um, Gataxian Pro, Ponder, um, and also ran four of Treasure Cruise. So eight cons cards, week one in Legacy. That is nuts. Treasure Cruise. $20 foil right now. For, for what? Treasure, Treasure Cruise? Treasure Cruise. <laughs> it's a good card. Unreal. In Legacy. Yeah, it was fantastic. Delver plus Monetary monastery <laughs> plus young pyromancer in a deck with like 30 spells is just it, the the damage output is just crazy it, i like it a lot it i was wrong absolutely wrong in terms of modern and legacy yeah i, I don't know about modern i want to try it now that's for sure yeah, right i, I kind of want to try it in uh standard like trying to make like a burnish deck maybe replace seeker of the way or something like that or maybe not i don't know it'd basically be the jeskai deck that won this week, but just like slightly more aggressive. So that's probably the next deck I'm going to try out after Junk Terrible Warriors. I'm sorry, Abzan. Abzan. It's already happening, man. I'm already thinking that way. I just forget the names once in a while, but I'm already like on board. I told you we'd all be on board. You know I said it. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, uh, standards shaping up to be very diverse and uh, very exciting. And uh, and very, very deep. So many cards are playable, or at least are being played. Maybe they're not playable, but they're being played. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so let's just, like, hope we see as much diversity as we have. Um, and uh, in two weeks, uh, we'll be back. We'll be covering uh, Pro Tour Cons of Tarkir. And uh, we'll be joined by a very special guest who will be going over the Pro Tour results with us. Um, so until next time, that's all we have for this week. We are YoMTG Taps. Stop bitching, start brewing. And brewing, and brewing, and brewing. Just work on Marty Warriors. Stop bitching, start brewing blue-white aggro. There, okay, actually, you joke. But <laughs> there was a... Uh, a, a super IQ this weekend. Yeah. And uh, top eight, there was a blue-white aggro deck. Really? Mm-hmm. With the, uh, with the god, Afara? Uh, no. Noah Afara in a blue-white aggro deck. Yeah, three Battlewise Hoplite, two Fabled Hero, four Favorite Hoplite, four Hero of Arose, one Laguna Band Trailblazer, two Eidolon of Countless Blossom, or that, Countless Battles, one Hopeful Eidolon. Whole bunch of ordeals, two battle mastery. Wait a minute, is that <laughs> wait? That was all white creatures, wasn't it? Nope, battle wise hoplite. 
Oh, that's blue-white. So it's basically just splashing blue for the hoplite. Yeah, two stubborn denial, three stratus walk, four deal thassa. Oh, oh. Four, aque- four aqueous forms. So this is a lot like the block deck, basically. What? Mm-hmm. Two battle mastery, the double strike. <laughs> battle mastery and no Afara. So does that prove... The- oh, man, that means Afara is really bad, doesn't it? No, this deck's only running 20 land, so you don't really want a 4-drop. Mm, okay, yeah, fair enough. Like, you're okay to run, like, a, the Eidolon to, you know, uh, bestow it, but that's about as far as... <laughs> two mortal obstinacy in the sideboard? Okay. What does that even do? <laughs> Enchant creature you control, so trigger heroic. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and whenever enchanted oh, creature... Yeah, you sack it and kill a target enchantment. That's right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you asked for it so many decks so many decks and uh so that's staying in uh that's all we have for this week we are yo mtg zaps <laughs> stop bitching start brewing Yo MTG Taps is available every other Thursday on LegitMTG.com, IWantMyMTG.com, MTGCast.com, and iTunes. Email us, YoMTGTaps at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr, YoMTGTaps.tumblr.com. Follow us on Twitter, at YoMTGTaps. Follow me on Twitter at OMGWTFBHJFTW. Follow Steven on Twitter at M00NPI. Follow Joey on Twitter at Affinity for Blue. Featuring music by You'll Never Know and Logic Marsalis. Available at magneticmoments.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>